After months of conjecture as to when it would launch and what it would look like, WorldCoin is finally here, of course. That is the coin where they scan your eyeballs to prove that you're human and then drop you some free shit coins that, as of now, I can't find the actual use case for. Very vague on the website as to what they're for, but proves that you're human trying to get these into the hands of everyone in the world. This is from Sam Altman, the man behind OpenAI and ChatGPT, also a man who's in a major battle at the moment with Elon Musk seemingly over the future of finance and privacy in the world. There's a lot to unpack here, but it did launch yesterday with a fully diluted valuation of $21 billion. We're going to talk WorldCoin today, how it affects our future and privacy with Seth for Privacy, who I recently had on the podcast. You guys definitely have to listen to this episode. And then at the back end, Big Sheds and I are going to talk about the actual market, look at charts and trades. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Just a bit of housekeeping here. I just wanted to tell you guys, since it is officially happening tomorrow, this uh, tweet from Robert F. Kennedy, of course, Spaces is glitching as usual on desktop. So it just says details not available. But if you could see that or looked at it on your mobile, it would tell you that I'm hosting a Twitter Spaces tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Robert F. Kennedy, uh, Marty Bent, Natalie Brunel, Mark Moss, and Robert Breedlove. The five of us effectively each taking 15 minutes to talk to him about Bitcoin, privacy, freedom, uh, we will not be hopefully delving into the other areas of contentious campaigning that have been going on surrounding Robert F. Kennedy. The idea here is to dig in specifically on his policy for Bitcoin, his thoughts on monetary policy, his thoughts on the Fed, etc. So we're going to focus on money and Bitcoin, see what his plans are there. That's the idea. 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Put that on your calendar because, I mean, it's pretty huge. And actually, uh, next Monday, hosting another uh, presidential uh, hopeful, Francis Suarez, the uh, mayor of Miami. We're going to have him on Twitter Spaces at 10, 15 a.m. next Monday. So try to run through all of them. I have a feeling I will not get to Biden and Trump. And that's fine because I don't really want to talk to any of those old bastards anyways. Let's be honest. Anyways, though, what you guys are here to talk about today, we're going to hear to talk about WorldCoin. I'm going to just go ahead and bring on Seth right now because uh, why do this by myself? How are you doing, man? Doing pretty good, Scott. Thank you so much for uh, for having me back. Looking forward to talking about Of course. That. So listen, as an advocate for privacy, WorldCoin <laughs> has to be massively on your radar here, right? And to give people the context, right? literally there's this orb, which I, I'm sure I have a picture of it here in one of these articles. Uh, I'll find the orb. But it's an orb and it scans your eyeballs. The goal here is to scan the eyeball of every human being in the world and airdrop them some... World quite. So, what, what what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the uh, the ultimate goals that they've stated are to use this as a way to have kind of proof of personhood is the the name that they put around it. You can think of it kind of like proof of work, but with the the goal being that each person is uniquely verified. Um, and that's not necessarily a terrible goal. Uh, it certainly have, can have some implications for anonymity and pseudonymity, depending on how you actually approach it. But the goal itself has some some benefits, uh, especially if you do things in a privacy-preserving way, um, which to get the good out of the way, when you actually verify your world ID, once you've gone through the, the eye scanning and you've gotten your, your world coin, when you do actually like verify that to, to log into a service or something, they do it in a way that doesn't reveal anything about who you are. It just reveals that you have successfully verified um, using a, a technique called zero knowledge proof. So there are some unique things about it that can be interesting. Um, but I think a lot of the approach that's been taken is probably naive. I, I, I hate to term people malicious. Uh, that's good. Without I mean, knowing I, more I, about this. It is the benefit of the doubt for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that may be giving too much of a benefit of a doubt. But um, yeah, the the concept of having people all across the globe scan in their iris and essentially what the orb supposedly does, it is partially the actual schematics for how it works are partially open source, but no one can verify how it works. No one can verify the software or the hardware. 
in theory, it scans your iris, creates a unique hash that can only apply to to your your actual eyeball, um, and then sends that off to WorldCoin server. And then when you do that, they authenticate your WorldCoin wallet and say, "Yeah, this person's real. We're gonna drop them some some WorldCoin." Um, so obviously, the incentive initially is to to get that WorldCoin, and you you sacrifice your your eyeball scan as a part of that. right and so it, it it effectively proves a that you're human and not ai because an ai wouldn't be able to do it and obviously i think everybody can understand the implications of being able to prove that you're human and not ai moving forward as agents and bots sort of start to replace or become a regular part of our lives and and performing functions that humans are generally doing so you want like for example, if an AI is going to send a transaction in your name or something, you might want to have proof that you're behind it as a human. And it also makes sure that there's no double spend, right? You can't claim it twice because you're Iris. But none of that answers why everybody in the world needs WorldCoin. Yeah, and I, I don't think there is an answer for that. I think the the only reason that has been kind of stated behind it is that the, the WorldCoin token itself is to incentivize people to do this process. And then... If enough Certainly. people do it, it allows them to have this proof of personhood to use for other things. What those other things are still isn't clear, but that's the idea. They they also claim that it's kind of like a, a UBI system where everyone will get a fair issuance and everyone will get get a an, a certain amount of world coin. But the problem behind that is that all this time they initially held twenty percent back for insiders of the total supply, uh, and now they've increased more than five percent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just saying it, it's a lot more than that. And I mean, I I, I like brought up all this stuff. We're not going to dig into it specifically, but like as you dig into exactly what you said, basically everything that's been released went to market makers, a very small percentage to the public. Of course, that will increase, and it's like. Well, I mean, here, first of all, it's had a fully diluted valuation of twenty-one billion dollars. All the VCs invested at a billion. So they're up 21x on the launch uh, mm-hmm. without anything happening, but that's you know part part for the course. But the market cap right now is only 228 million, so you're talking about like less than you know 10 percent, uh, less than 10 percent of the coins, one percent of the coins being out. That means 99 percent will eventually come to market. Mm-hmm. I don't know yes. much about supply and demand, but that seems like a lot of supply uh, that will require a ton of demand for it to not go only down. And that issuance is is centrally controlled. It's it's not like Bitcoin where we have a, a steady proof of work algorithm that makes sure that this issuance that was set from day one continues. I mean, even just the the change from twenty percent being held for insiders to twenty five percent secretly, no one knew that until just recently, uh, goes to show that there's not just like pretty much anything that claims to be for pure financial good but is run by a central party, there's actually people who stand to benefit greatly from this who have who've kind of held some of it yeah. for themselves and then pushed, pushed some of these orbs out there and are giving some world coin to people. So we know that VCs make a ton of money on these things, whether they're successful or not. I mean, they're, they're literally these VCs, whoever is getting coins on the, whenever the first tranche launches, if it was now, they'd be up 21x, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to sell their first tranche. <laughs> it's five or 10%. This has been sort of the structure of VC profiting in crypto. Uh, Ari Paul has a great thread on it for anyone who's, uh, who wants to see it's right here. Uh, Ari David Paul, basic crypto market manipulation model. Yeah, how they get these huge valuations without doing anything. You guys could read into that, but that's less of the issue for me. Mm-hmm. Who, when they scan your iris, it's going to this centralized service, right? So WorldCoin, you have to trust that they're going to be benevolent and only use it for good, or is it? Is there some way here that they don't actually have access to your to your information? How does do, have you dug into that at all? Because it was very yeah. vague when I tried to look. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's been a, a big point of interest for me is is how this actually works. Um, like I said at the beginning, the theory is that it scans your eyeball into the orb itself, and on the orb, it computes a unique hash that can't be uh, reversed, so you can't take the hash and figure out the person's iris from it, uh, but it's a way that if anyone scans their eye again, you can verify that it is the same person. In theory, that happens on the orb, and then the orb only sends that unique hash off to WorldCoin server. But that's really just theory because we can't verify the way that any of this works. Uh, it's it's not trust open source. You're saying, no, right? it's it's so, not yeah. fully open source, uh, and the, the actual manufacturer of the orbs is is just one centralized manufacturer right now. They say they have a lot of grand plans to decentralize a lot of this and and a lot of promises for that in the future. But when you when you think about this closed hardware that we have some idea of how it works, they publish some schematics. When you think of this being responsible for collecting, storing, and transmitting the biometric data of every citizen in the world. 
you have to think about what what the interest here is from parties who could actually put backdoors into this hardware. Whether that's WorldCoin themselves, even though they have some incentive not to backdoor their own hardware because they want to make money off of WorldCoin and whatever other aims they have. Or if that's nation states who say, I would love to have an iris scan of every person in every country that I don't have jurisdiction over. They can backdoor this hardware at the manufacturer and then have it easily transmit the iris scans off to them. And then they have a biometric catalog of every single person. This is something that I'm sure the U.S. would love. The NSA is is famous for backdooring hardware against manufacturers' consent and putting in things that collected and transmitted data that it wasn't supposed to. I mean, China would love to do this. Russia would love to do this. Who wouldn't love to have the biometric data of every citizen in the world from a, a dictatorial or authoritarian perspective? So there's a lot of risks even just from from that perspective, and that doesn't get into any of kind of the, the issues with tying unique, unchangeable biometric data to your finances, where yeah. you can't just get a new Bitcoin wallet. You can't just get a new WorldCoin wallet your unique iris scan is tied to your public key in WorldCoin. And so the activity that you do in WorldCoin, the the company behind it knows everything that you do financially and ties that directly to that unique iris. And if your government knows and for some reason wants to punish you with a social credit system or something, you can't open anything because you need your biometrics and they know it's you and you're being punished and therefore you Mm -hmm. can't do it, right? I mean, this Mm -hmm. slides down the slippery slope of the same fears that a lot of people have about a central bank digital currency. Or, or something similar, where all of a sudden you have zero privacy in your transactions, but also have zero control over your actual wallet, meaning that the government can, you know, drop things in. You said the UBI side of it, or take things out, or remove your access altogether. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it just feels, and maybe this is the way the world is going. Like I, I can't, I don't know, but it feels a very minority report to me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's it's interesting that these people claim altruistic motives behind this. Um, but I, I use the word naive to open it because you think even if you had these altruistic motives, you'd be concerned with this concept of the biometric data of every single person in the world being con- collected and stored by a central entity, even if there are claims that that, that doesn't happen. It's just this unique hash. Um, so you'd, you'd hope that it would be a non-starter when you think it through and go, no, this is going to open up more risk than it does reward for this chance for theoretical financial kind of evenness throughout the world those kinds of things um so it's it's pretty crazy to see and there are definitely serious privacy concerns with this and just just like almost everything else out there outside of bitcoin it relies on trust trust in a central party trust for privacy trust for all of these things and it's not a it's not a system that removes that trust or pulls that away it's something that you're just putting more trust in someone and now you're including not only your financial data, but your biometric data as well into a, a trusted centralized party. You can easily be incentivized or coerced into collecting more data, storing that data, or selling that data. Two two interesting points. I had written about this in May, and I just happened to bring it up right before, but this is from WorldCoin's site. What can I do with WorldCoin tokens? Why would I want them? The WorldCoin token, WLD, is best understood as providing utility and giving users a say over the direction of the WorldCoin protocol. Ownership of WLD paired with a verified world ID provides access, ownership, and participation in the protocol. Following the mainnet launch, the community of users will determine the token's uses, but a few use cases are expected to emerge. First, governance. WLD will give its holders the ability to shape the future of the protocol. Second, users may use the WLD token to pay for certain actions in the world app. Last, some users may also use WLD world tokens as a store of value or to make payments, remittances, tip artists, Okay, so as I said here, the plan is to distribute tokens that govern more tokens and potentially enable purchases, but maybe just within the ecosystem. Like what? They don't even know. I I get that this is the, okay, we're going to make it decentralized and you'll decide. But why do I want a token with undetermined utility and that maybe will never have utility and could effectively never be even used as payments? I mean, you get the token so that you can have governance of the token to determine what the token might be used for. Wouldn't people just rather, like, do El Salvador this, right? Give me $30 in Bitcoin for scanning my iris if I have to do it. <laughs> Still terrifying. Still problematic, yes. but yes. at least so without the... Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, at least not the 2017 ICO vibes. I mean, that's... Like, when you look into these things, it should become apparent that the only reason for the token is to enrich the founders and to provide the funding for this project like there's there's no need for a new token here but the easy way 
to mint new money for yourself is to create a new token, hold a large percentage of it, and then hype it up as being something that's important, even though, like like you just showed, there's no, they're literally asking you to determine what what's the use of this coin that we're giving you. You figure it out. And then you're trusting that they'll implement whatever kind of governance proposals you put in place. Because there's no decentralized mechanism for that. You're just trusting that they'll they'll follow whatever votes happen down the line. When yeah. If you go against their financial incentives, are they actually going to follow that? Also, I mean, it says WorldCoin presents itself as, quote, accessible to everyone, irrespective of their country, background, or economic status. Then you dig into their terms of service. WLTD tokens are not intended to be available for use, purchase, or access by U.S. persons, including U.S. citizens. So there's a few, you know, a few hundred million people right there that can't use it. Uh, you also can't use them in Syria and Syria, the Crimea, Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, the Baritsia regions of Ukraine, North Korea, Iran, Cuba, or any other country or region with whom the United States, European Union, or any other country or jurisdiction has restricted trade in goods or services. So out, outright right there, at least a third of the world is out even for their mission, right? I guess, can you give over your eyeball for nothing then? If you're in yeah, I guess. So we know oh, that's right. They're going to want the eyeball scan, but yeah. not the, uh, but you don't even get the uh, shit. We'll keep the tokens, but you give us yes. your eyeball. Well, hold on. We'll just pass those off to the to the VCs. I mean, when you start looking at the people that are sharing about this, whatever, no judgment. Like Kyle from 3AC, obviously. If my thesis holds correct, the 3AC venture portfolio will be the best performer of 2023. They were a massive investor in uh, WorldCoin. Guess who else? Sam Bakemanfried. WorldCoin has launched with an FTV of $28 billion, and Mr. Altruism, SBF, invested in WorldCoin at a $1 billion valuation in 2021. And then you go in and you see the, uh, and listen to that, these guys do their job, right? But here's all the people, big names that invested at a billion, and now they're calling it, uh, CoinGecko says 21, that guy said 28 billion, but either way, 21X, 28X, Coinbase, Multicoin, Andreessen Horowitz, DCG, <laughs> Coin Funds, you know, I mean, it's the same, uh, the usual suspects. So listen, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, begrudge the fact that they would want access to this uh, invest in Sam Altman, who's had massive success with ChatGPT. I get it from the VC perspective. It's just kind of funny to see, I mean, literally like SBF. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think like there there are good use cases for VC funding, but pouring money into a project like this that is privacy invasive and has a new currency for no reason is, is painful and is problematic. And I, I hope that people will push back on that with those VC funds. And if they work with those VC funds talk to them about this because it's 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 pretty crazy that people could get behind this and see it without worrying about the the long-term implications of this and the the token is really not even the long-term implication like i know that that is something that is easy to focus on and, and we've talked about that a bit but that concept of a an id that is centrally controlled by one party across the globe that's tied to an eye that you cannot change is is one that has massive, massive implications, like you right. mentioned, for control and um, surveillance beyond just the the token itself. Okay, so let's put putting WorldCoin aside. The idea of digital ID has quite a few proponents, and as you even mentioned, if done correctly, could be a massive, I think, improvement for humanity. Right? I mean, we talked about ZK, obviously. First time I heard about that, I think, was when I interviewed Evan Shapiro from Mina, and he was talking about ZK Snarks, but effectively the idea that you can provide proof of your identity or proof of your finances or proof of quite a few things without giving over anything but that specific information. So basically, you can get a yes-no answer. Uh, let's say I'm applying for a credit card. Uh, without giving them all of my data, my address, all of that, that could basically be bundled into a ZK proof, the uh, zero-knowledge proof, and then it can just send the answer to the credit company saying yes or no, I qualify, without having to give the... That's very compelling if it was done in a decentralized manner. I know that companies like uh, my friend Justin Resvani at Zion is doing this uh, with Bitcoin. I know the guys at Unstoppable Domains uh, are working very, very hard on digital identity. So let's imagine that in a world where you can safely have a digital identity, I can sign into every social media platform. I can sign into my bank. I can make transactions. Is there, I mean, is are we going in the right direction if this is done correctly? Yeah, I, th I think that's the the hard thing because there is a lot of promise from the concept of digital identities, DIDs, and just this this ability to have your identity in an actual digital format that you can prove freely without revealing that info. Um, and that, in theory, that is actually something that WorldCoin offers. And their approach isn't 
the worst possible. Like there, there, uh, there's a really good article that Vitalik wrote um, yesterday that walked through a lot of this because he's he's very optimistic on the the idea of decentralized identities and and he wrote a, a very good very well thought out article that addresses a lot of the security and privacy concerns of this. The hard part with digital identities is how do you actually issue and verify the person for the first time. Uh, and that's really the struggle for all of these systems. I mean, WorldCoin obviously does that by scanning your eye, taking the hash of your iris, and then sending that off to a central server, using that for that verification. And then, like I mentioned at the beginning, they actually do the the verification. Like, if I wanted to log into YouTube with my WorldCon ID, they actually do the verification in a unique, unique way that that does use zero-knowledge proofs to prove that I am a valid person without revealing any information about me, without revealing which IR scan I was or which public key I am within the the WorldCoin ecosystem. Um, so that that approach is actually pretty interesting, but that problem always comes with that initial issuance and verification. And doing that in a decentralized way is really difficult. Um, and uh, for as much hate as Vitalik gets, for, for those who want to learn more about this, his article is actually really eye-opening and looks at a lot really of good. other approaches that have been taken within the ecosystem to try and do decentralized identity. Um, and it was it was very informative for me because it's not it's not a topic I've dug into too deeply in the past. But my my concern is always that when we do digital identity, there will be some some key restrictions that cause problems for the ability for you to be anonymous or pseudonymous moving forward. The nice thing right now with identity being pretty physical is that yes, I have to turn over a lot of information when I want to use it. Even when I go to a bar, if I want to want to get in and they check my ID, they can view all this information about me. They can view my full name, see a picture of me, see my home address, all of this stuff, which is absolutely unnecessary. All they need to do is verify my age. So something like a decentralized identity using zero knowledge proofs would allow you to prove, hey, I'm over 21 without revealing all that info. Um, but it it's difficult in the, the initial issuance and verification piece. Uh, Vitalik talked about some approaches where a group of people come together and prove their identity to each other. Um, one where they use social graph to do that. There's there's a lot of different approaches that are interesting, but all have pretty major flaws. Um, and he actually posits that WorldCoin is has some unique advantages over some of the other approaches taken to just the concept, like ignoring the token, just that concept of how do we prove that someone's real, um, and and let them verify that moving forward. So it's something that. I would love to see us continue exploring, especially centered around using something like Bitcoin for the the layer that stores the proof that I am unique, um, because that is a system that we know the Bitcoin blockchain is going to be around for a very long time or forever. It's something where we don't need to trust a central party to store that data and we can have it distributed. Um, but again, it has to be done in a, a unique privacy preserving way. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't have the answers for how you do that, because that's really kind of the um, probably a trillion dollar question with with how you can do that, but their approach isn't isn't terrible from that perspective. The main problem with their approach is that even though in theory the approach is good, we can't know that that's actually happening, and we have no way to ensure that no other party, either either them or a government or a nation state, are collecting this data and storing it for other use cases. And I think that's the the real problem. If you ignore the identity and you just look at WorldCoin from the to- from the, the concept of, of the world ID, if there was a, a fully open source software and hardware solution, if there was the ability for you to verify it, maybe even if there was the ability for you to build your own and build it from scratch, build it from the components that they give you and, and let you do it in a way where you can be sure that there was no, no backdoor put in there. That would be really interesting. I mean, kind of like the concept of, of hardware wallets where you can you can buy from a provider. Maybe they're free and open source, free and open source software and hardware. Um, or you can build your own, do something do something where you get to verify every step of it as well and kind of give that that approach. Um, but that also gets tricky because then what happens in like sub-Saharan Africa? They're not gonna they're not gonna be able to build their own orb like this from scratch yeah, it sounds like with uh the, by the way guys this is the uh, vitalik post over here it's vitalik.eth.limo you, you can find it there very very long and well thought out as seth said and he really gave us a lot of thought but of course the conclusion like everything in crypto and with privacy comes down to a uh, push and shove of what it's worth and if it's worth trying it and sort of it, it very much actually reminds me of when OpenAI launched and guys like elon musk came out and said whoa 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 like slow down you know, it, 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 we're now at the point, it feels like, 
in the evolution of technology where every single technology has this massive question mark as to whether it's worth it or not. Yeah, yeah, and the, it it comes down to this basic concept of technology itself is morally neutral. Like the the concept of decentralized IDs, I don't think is necessarily an evil or a good right. concept, but it comes down to the implementation and how it's actually used by the people who who create and implement this type of thing. And that's where a lot of times the the best solution for these types of things, if there's these ma- massive question marks around how in the world do we do decentralized identity the right way, maybe we continue to lean away from it. We lean towards not requiring identity for as much as possible. We lean away from that's relying idea. on that's governments, right. lean away from relying on on central banks and all of these entities who who need ID to be able to verify those things. And we lean into systems like Bitcoin. We lean into systems like the circular economies that are developing around Bitcoin, where identity is not a key part of that and doesn't need to be. We can build reputation systems that don't rely on that. Uh, and that's that's more of the kind of cypherpunk future that I, I hope that we we end up in, where we are able to to live to uh, live well, to have communities, to to buy and sell what we need without having to rely on some centrally issued identity, because it it always will bring flaws, and someone will always try and control that. Or leverage it for their own gain, and that's just an unfortunate truth of humanity. Um, and that's where systems like this, I, I would prefer if we can lean a- away from them and find out ways that we can do maybe decentralized reputation rather than decentralized in- identity, uh, so that we can still have anonymity and pseudonymity. Let people choose the level of comfort uh, with how much they want to reveal, and then have other ways to verify if someone's a, a good or bad actor. Okay, one final question before I let you go. How how different is uh, scanning my eyeball with the orb from using my face to open my iPhone or staring right now into this camera and letting YouTube scan my iris all day? Thankfully, I think your your webcam probably isn't good enough for you to, to get a, an iris scan off of you, so you're probably safe there. Yeah. Just don't get too close. My iPhone is. The iPhone is. Yeah, iPhone's interesting because it, it has a lot of the same potential problems as WorldCoin. Uh, in theory, on your iPhone, when you use your face for Face ID, all of that stays local, stays within a, a secure enclave on the device, and is never transmitted anywhere. That is one big difference, and that WorldCoin does explicitly say we transmit the hash of your iris to our server, and we store that. Whereas Apple is very explicit and clear that the the goal of, of Face ID and of all biometric unlock, and this, this is true of Android as well, is that it's it's done on the device, stored on the device, verified on the device, and it, it never leaves, it never even goes outside of that secure enclave, which is a uniquely built hardware piece uh, within your phone that verifies that. But uh, unfortunately, on yeah, iOS side, it's closed source, so yeah. we can't verify it. I mean, there's, like, there's massive incentive for Apple to actually be doing the things that they say that they're doing, especially as a lot of their brand now is built on privacy, and they've, they've made a yeah. big push, and that being a a marketing angle, um, but you still have the you still have the potential concerns of backdoors of the NSA, et cetera, backdooring and finding a way to to exfiltrate that data. So it certainly is a possibility. I will say, as a privacy advocate and someone who's a a, a big fan of going a little bit more hardcore, I, I personally don't see problems with like Face ID and those types of solutions. But I know again, that's the stamp of approval I needed. I will continue to <laughs> scan scan my face. And I do do it. fingerprint unlock on all my devices. So there you go. Perfect. All right, we're good to go. All right, man. Seth, thank you so much. I really love your perspective. Uh, always really measured and insightful. And uh, thank you. And uh, hopefully, have you back anytime we have a similar conversation. Hope I, I want to have you back a lot, but on the flip side, I don't want to because it means that somebody's doing something really stupid that we have to talk about. Hey, we can have we can have positive conversations around privacy. Okay. Too. It's we'll, possible. We'll talk about. We did it last time. We did it last time. All right. Yeah. Guys, check out that conversation. Of course, you're at Seth for Privacy on Twitter, right? So follow Seth for Privacy on Twitter. Really, really great. Thank you, Seth. Awesome. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. It's great chatting again. Have a good one. Kind of look like long lost brothers. Someone said, I think, in the comments on our last uh, on the last podcast. I can't remember who said it, but I was like, yeah, I can, I can see that. Seth Scott, yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah, guys. So uh, I would love to hear, see your thoughts in the comments on Worldcoin, Mike. There are some people who are massively supporting this. Uh, who are not the VCs that are profiting from it, who truly believe in the in the model. I mean, I think it's just with everything in this world right now, I'm just going to stay stay skeptical and uh, reserve judgment and see, see what they do. I'm in the United States, so they're not coming after my, my eyeballs. Anyways, listen, I'm going to go on. We're going to bring on Big Cheds. We brought Big Cheds. He's going no camera today, but we're going to look at your black screen. What's up, man? You there? Yeah, I'm hanging, man. 
Can you hear me? Did you turn off your camera because you heard us talking about scanning your eyeballs? Yeah, no, actually I have, um, I got injured. I was scanning my eyeball on the orb and, um, it just, it just cut my eyes. So I'm kind of healing. So I had like an eyeball injury from getting my God, terrible. He, he was double orbing actually, which they tell you not to do. Scott, what was that? Like, uh, um, Vitalik wrote like a paper. I thought it was like something, something dot LMAO. Was that the URL? It's L I M O, but L M A O would be better. Like limo, like the one you drive that, uh, okay. you drive in, not uh, laugh my ass off at, uh, privacy, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. that's what I heard. Sorry. I heard L M A O. All right. So listen, yeah. Bitcoin's finally a little less boring. A little. Yeah. As it broke down. Let's bring up your screen and let's talk about it. What do you got? Uh, is it? Yeah, it's kind of boring, but it's a little bit less. I think it's a little less boring. It broke down. I mean, it broke down this local range. Yes, yes. We can kind of do this. Let's do this and let's look at like this like series of like thirty candles. And that's the thing is you can zoom in really, really close if you're bored and and come up with something interesting and say that's a massive move. Um, we have this kind of local range and we broke the range lows. And it, you know, that changes everything, right? But, you know, that really changed too much when you kind of zoom out, you kind of zoom out and you see it's still price above kind of the high time frame, you know, reverse, um, reversal breakout level. We still have the price more or less. Let's go to the weekly. It's a little, little, bit, little bit more out. Clear. Weekly bands right now are the tightest they've ever been in history. We still have prices. I know. Right. We're ahead. Weekly bands are the tightest in history. That's that's uh, according to uh, yes, I've seen it like three or four times. And I tried to look, I didn't calculate the percentages, but it's pretty. They're, they're yeah, they're pinching as much as they ever have. Yeah, more, uh, yeah, well, right no volatility. To, like 2016. Yeah, Bollinger Band with. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? And you know what though? And we, you know, we've traded a lot of markets for a long time. Like this isn't that tight. Wait, what was that Bollinger Band with? What was that? That was go an indicator? Off. I don't yeah, know Yeah, go to indicator, go to um, technicals, trading view. And you go to Bollinger Band with. Holy shit. I know. Awesome. Today you're- I'm going. adding that right now. Today yeah. Old, right? Yeah. Let's see if it is hitting the it is hitting the all-time low from 2016. It's right yeah. there. But it's funny though, but like this isn't a real pinch though. I mean, it's just starting to tighten. You know, the point I was making is that's true, but- um, it can, it can, from experience in trading a lot of markets and using, Bo using Bollinger Bands, it can get a lot tighter. I mean, yeah, that. but look at that. Look at that. There's the 2016 line. Yeah. It is peaking, peaking below without the uh, weekly close. So what? what does that mean? Let's deconstruct that for people who aren't like nerdy, like, like trend analysts, like you and I, you know, you have a secular uptrend like Bitcoin that's just been rising. What that means is, um, it has not. It hasn't really paused and just gone sideways for a long period of time. It just means that Bitcoin's been strongly accelerating over time. So the fact that this is the tightest it's ever been um, just is, is reflective of the fact that it's never really, really paused for a long period of time, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's basically saying they've never actually been tight. That Bitcoin, because it's so volatile, has never yeah. been tightened sideways at any point. Yeah, like this is <laughs> even relative. This is yeah. like a, a pinch. I mean, we've seen you know, oh, on the Glealy order, the four hour. Yeah, you see yeah. this long like periods of yeah. Look at that. Like that. That was ridiculous. So it's the old yeah. dick and balls, but dick and balls pattern. Let's be that's honest. It. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah. You know, haven't had the dick on the weekly yet. Just balls. Well, you gotta have one of the two. <laughs> You know, you got to have something, you got nothing, you got nothing. But, um, look, I mean, it's still weekly uptrend. It's still bullish. I, you know, what I've been saying, and probably a lot of people is that, you know, it's buy the dip mode. It's a question of where do you get, you know, where do you buy the dip? Are we going to get the 28 fives throwback? Or do you got maybe a tag of the daily, you know, MA 200? Um, we'll kind of wait and see. It was meant to pause here, right? Overhead supply. Line. Line. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's healthy. It's okay. It was a beautiful move and we've been doing the kind of stair stepping, stair stepping. Let's just keep doing that, you know. And I think that's healthy. I think when you have um, any kind of a chart that just shoots up um, too fast and doesn't pause and consolidate along the way, right? You 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 go straight down rather than hitting support on the way down and, and pausing and giving yourself a better chance to continue. So um, it's healthy. What it's doing is it's healthy. It's boring, which is unfortunate. I put out a tweet. Oh no, I put out a zeet or an X or whatever they call it. Yeah, I, I'm calling them skeets. Skeets? I mean, I know that's not what, but I just want to skeet. I think that's something else. Yeah. Oh, anyway, but 
I put on Zeep. I, I would pronounce it Zeep if I was looking at it, to be honest. Like, you know. Zeep, well, I mean, there will be no next kid, but my really? theoretical next right. child, Zeep, Zeep, Zeep. Yeah. two beautiful kids. But um, I put out two rides, like, I wish Bitcoin would do something worth zeeting about or worth tweeting about and yeah it's boring it's really doing much and um i start it's tapping that 50 ma right there yeah okay there's that touch there's that touch. the first touch first touch in a month that's true so what does that mean though to me it doesn't mean it's a buy spot it means it's a representation of the weakening bull trend the weakening move here right with the first 34 tag now the 50 tag probably get a 200 tag it probably does need to come back to the demand zone it probably needs to drop back a little bit um to support in my opinion i don't think the 50 is like i'm gonna go ahead and buy it the 50 not a lot of ton of history there the 200 weekly is at 27.1 also by the way 20 the 200 weekly yeah the 200 weekly you think we get all the way down there no, I'm not. I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm looking at 28.6 still, but who is it? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, that's for sure. It would make sense. It would be healthy. I think a lot of people would be buying there. Um, but it's a question of, as always, as you know, you're you're very strong technically. It's not necessarily the price. It's how we get there. And if we're going to do um, a throwback to that 28.5 level, ideally would be a sharp, quick drop, right? We don't want to slow bleed into this level, right? Because what does that mean? We're probably going to just drift and break yeah. through it, right? So it's not just, you know, it's not an important point. Is it's not always the price. It, it's how it gets there. That's true. So listen, uh, having looked at Bitcoin here, yeah, you're still, you said, this, so this, I mean, I can, I guess, this was kind of the range I was talking about just for reference, right? You had yeah. a bearish, diver you had building bearish divergence areas uh -huh. at the high. I think RSI still gets to oversold here, because yeah. why not? Uh, but okay. so that, but that could be at 28.6. I mean, that could just Healthy. come at 28.5 right down yeah. here. I mean, wait, price only went, it topped at 31, right? And I mean, only a $2,000 drop has dropped RSI from 75 to 40. So, I mean, yeah, to go another 10, it could be a $500 move, depending on how it gets there, right? But this doesn't, like, you're not, I, I, I hear a lot of people, you know, the more bearish people would be looking for this move, right? Uh, to short, to short the low range lows. I think that's a good way to do it. I think, you know, there's a million different methods and one of the more simple ones, which is, is um, a way to cleanly. I'm not looking for shorts. So that's, yeah, I'm just asking if you're looking well, for shorts. it's still pretty warm outside, but um, no. <laughs> if, look, the point, point I want to make is that um, if you were, and that, just kind of defending that thesis, if you're going to, like a method of just simple horizontal strategy makes sense because if you have a breakdown, and you get a bounce that's reasonable. And the reason why is you know you're wrong if the price gets back up above whatever, like 29.7 or even 30K. So you want to short there, that's fine. Um, for me though, and I try to orient with the trend, right? Trend um, following trade strategy, I'm looking to buy dips. It's in an uptrend, it's a buy the dip mode. You know, if I flip it, you know, any kind of a downtrend that bounces, yeah, that's where I'm looking to short. I'm not necessarily looking to get too cute, too fancy. Um, and, and short necessarily Bitcoin here. I'd be shorting up here on the up thrust. I want to short more strength given the overall trend. I think this is maybe not the best trade orientation, but I can at least defend it um, in terms of trade technique. So you like me are just kind of sitting with theoretical bids lower. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching right around 28K. I mean, I've still got from, I've, I've got from 18K. I grabbed some here in that hammer. Well, the, the MA21, I haven't really added here in between, but I've just had, because I've had a nice long position and I've been, you know, I've been in and out dipping and dabbing and trading and doing all that. But, um, you know, what would get you out of that. What would get you out of that? There's the better question for me. Yeah. It'd be the below those, below that, uh, those 25 ish. 24 yeah, oh yeah. Average. I mean, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Uber mega, a uh, giga short below 25 K. I mean, I'm just, that would be a, that would be a big, bad sign for the trend. Um, especially given that we did hold here on the initial throwback. So that would get me out of it. And I don't mean, I don't know that I am free riding. I'm like, I'm free riding some position core. So I don't know that I would like preemptively sell it, but I would open up another position. I would be going strongly short below 25K. Um, I know some people, I see all these targets and I want to buy a 23 or 24. That's weird to me because if it gets down there now. And you should be there. Yeah, you should. Yeah. yeah. You should and you might as well just set them at the you know, 17 and 16. Yeah. And, yeah. and just see what happens. Um, 
So yeah, it, you know, we got to be patient. We got to be patient. We got to be patient. Let's just kind of zoom out a little bit. It's a beautiful weekly chart. We had the massive blow off, call it blow off or not. We set our low, maybe we set a lower high here somewhere at some point. Maybe it takes us a while to get up there. But at some point, we're going to do that. We're just going to sideways turn for a couple of years. And you and I keep getting gray, gray hair while that happens. And then eventually, you know, we'll continue with the trend, which is up. Um, but you have to manage your risk. Um, he said years. He said years. I'm out. So Yeah, I know, right? Not here. I'm gone. Well, we have the pink I trade. Go trade on pink sheets. Fish. Go trade pink <laughs> There's no fall. I used to trade pink sheets at, back in the day, and there's just no liquidity there. I mean, you get st- you get to go where the liquidity is. Slippage is bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's absolutely nuts. Um, so let's do me all. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see what you got to think. What you, I mean, there's none that I'm like super specifically looking at right now. Um, Let me just drift through my list yeah. and see if anything kind of jumps out. So we're watching Ethereum, Bitcoin, of course. We want to see. Yeah. Um, which continues to look not terrible on this drop, which is a bit ex- which is a bit surprising. You know, we break, if we break up above this level here, I'm going to get a little more cautious in Bitcoin, right? So we'll kind of keep an eye on that, that 064, 065 level. And this general proxy for eth- for altcoins is Ethereum versus Bitcoin. Uh, that's a little bit messy. We'll clean that up. Ethereum itself is still it's still an uptrend. I'm still waiting to buy on the daily MA200, kind of range peak 2050. Nothing's really changed. INJ, I do like. It's probably one of the better charts, and it's actually at an area of interest for me. A nice, clean, beautiful throwback. Dude, I like that. Although I liked it higher. <laughs> I liked yeah. it a dollar higher too, and it was sort of breaking uh, towards the highs. But yeah, well, but okay. for me, when it came up here, when it came up here, I'm thinking we're going to do some type of a, an ascending triangle. Even though it was really bullish, I expected a projection, and I said I'm going to look to buy a dip at a lower high, maybe here, some over the rising demand trend, maybe on the 200. Um, but I'm, it's, it's just like Bitcoin; it's in buy the dip mode, and now we're at a spot, an area of interest. What do you do at an area of interest? You drop to lower time frame look for some type of a price structure in order to formulate a trade idea. So I like INJ. Litecoin's just kind of chilling, not really much going on, holding the 200 lower Bollinger. Generally, I give a slight edge to bulls. What do you think about Litecoin? Yeah, I think slight edge to bulls too. Excited to take it exactly as you are looking at sitting right there on support. BCH still is still bullish. It's doing a kind of a correct channel. I can't either, but I'm no, no. I've, I've held my nose in a lot of stuff, and it, it's worked out well for me. I, I just believe that the karma yeah. of it's so bad that I'm yeah. get it wrong. <laughs> and I can respect that because you might even that's you know, yeah. if you may you may trade poorly if you have a bad vibe about something. So I think that's part of mindfulness and emotional management, you know, with trading. So I think that's reasonable. I think if you're long. Uh, you're long, you know, uh, below 225, you start to get cautious. But I think this is a reasonable spot of potentially on BCH. I do like render as well. And the reason I like it, it's all look like they're at support right now. Everything looks like it's at support on this little down move from Bitcoin. And, and yeah. they're not suffering badly. I mean, they're, they're well, only proportional. Yeah. Supporting uptrends and supporting downtrends. Render is an uptrend tagging the daily MA200. And I like the fact that people will see this and say head and shoulders. Not understanding most head and shoulders fail, most reversal patterns fail. You want to b- actually buy here at the neck baseline because very easily defined risk. You know when you're wrong, or you wait for the right shoulder to invalidate. But either way, it's a consolidated uptrend back to supply zone. I like it. I like it here. That's interesting. Beyond that, there's not too many. And we should talk about do- like the rest of these are kind of okay. I mean XRP and Doge. Can you look at those just because yeah. they're the talk of the town? And I want to see your toast, opinion. The toast of the town. Yeah, I kind of waiting for above eight cents and Doge to kind of all yeah, I it for me. Yeah. Um, you've got to kind of descending, you know, people call it a trend line. I don't even call it a trend line. I call it a descending supply trend. It's a trend of descending supply or falling resistance. Sorry. Yeah, supply, falling resistance, right? Keep a general trend of falling resistance. Let's clean it up, though. General trend of falling resistance and you price in essentially a trendless environment here in the daily chart over a year time frame. Um, you have to... In a choppy kind of chart like this, you have to draw some line in the sand. For me, it's got to be again right around eight eight cents. So I'm really kind of below eight cents, not touching above eight cents. I might go for it. Uh, we got to be careful with Doge. Is it going to be the new X eat payment system? Is it going to be the whatever? Who cares? Chart is not great. Better charts to play, but above eight cents, um, I, I give it a little mojo. What do you think? You know, if you pronounce it in uh, Chinese, it's sheet. 
Right? I mean, it's just, 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 it's I mean, I saw it already going around, but it feels like you know, there's, um, sheet. there's like a gas station chain in Pennsylvania called Sheets. Sheets. Yeah. They may be yeah, I love that area. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't give a sh- I don't give a sheet. I don't give a sheet. Yeah. By the way, if you drone the Joe's descending line like that, yeah, and those you've seen said highs, I mean, it's here, here, there. Yeah. But is it a line or is it a trend? Trend. Yeah. 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 I, well, yeah. if you buy the break out of that line, you'll just get the, you know. You, 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 we, all, we always fake out on the descending. You'll 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 yes. see the bet. You'll see the bet. XRP hashtag the standard. I always say it that way. You got to give respect. Um, like what are we doing? I don't know. I mean, you've got kind of a local support zone. You can kind of identify that. You have price above most of the moving averages. That's bullish. Um, there's a lot of air though down to this bottom zone, right? You see how it moved up so quickly. So it's kind of a precarious type of environment i think you have to kind of look at it as zone one and zone two and you kind of not trade in between um you know but in the meantime this might need more time to cook it's in the oven is still baking type of thing what, what do you think about that yeah i think i dude i don't know man i think yeah. i agree i mean i agree why zoom out. You, zoom the bells were literally people were like it's going straight to five dollars yes well, let's zoom out. We that zoom I don't. Out. That that I don't get. But yeah, I look at that chart. It, I mean, you know, it's just got that massive move. But those whips, yes. man. Well, then it's red light. It's red light. It's the red light turned orange. Maybe turning green. You get the lower high break. You've got to kind of stare. Now you have a throwback. Yeah, I think if it goes back to fifty-eight cents, I would yeah. buy this between fifty-four yeah. and fifty-eight. Yeah, and so now it's a question of examining the structure of the consolidation. Yeah, the upper wicks. But are we just going to do a bull flag in the weekly? That's bullish. Right, so maybe it does that. Maybe it does some kind of a falling corrective channel back towards supply, and then you would go long. But I don't think you touch it here in between. As um, with much of trading, it's about um, most most of the time there's nothing to do. When the one the price is at a key level, you know that's when you strike. So I think that's generally the way to do it. I'll just talk about link to a lot of people were super bullish in this. Maybe just the algos on on Zed or Twitter. Stop doing that. He put it in front of me, but it's just kind of sheets in between the sheets. It's still a bad chart to me. I know a lot of people love it, kind of rejected at range highs. You got range lows here, a little deviation back to range peaks. Still needs time to cook, but generally I am bearish on it. This one is- anyway, Chads, Chads, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Yeah. Last time you brought up uh, the word linked, like, uh, I, got, I got annihilated on Twitter. Remember that? Um, and someone made a weird, and someone made a weird video that I shared with you of like, Dancing linkies. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I would like to go on record saying I disagree wholeheartedly with anything that Chad says about Link. I'm a huge Link bull. I am a Link yeah. Marine, and I think it's the future. Where did sir? What regiment, sir? Fallen? Uh, what is it? Uh, I was in the uh, 17th platoon of the Link Marines. Uh, I was a Ranger. Yeah, I don't know. Um, those are Army. I guess. Uh, I guess he'd be a Ranger in the XRP Army. But yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think Link looks amazing. Oh, it's a lot of uh, everything about it. Dude, he's being sarcastic. I, I'm, I'm very serious here. No, honestly, actually, I will say I, um, I do think it looks pretty good. Uh, back around seven bucks, I had the range kind of uh, this bigger range, but sure. if you do zoom out, I mean this. This does look like accumulation after all that drop. So, like, I, I think that this eventually does break up and head back uh, towards the highs. So, I, I just maybe I don't see like the case after this move from five bucks to eight bucks. But like, you know, that two that fifty weekly uh, retest there, like seven bucks, six eighty, that does look kind of sexy to me, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable. Really I mean, if it's going to stair step, I mean, you, you'd want to see it to uh, continue to hold off of like daily MA 200, daily MA uh, 20, middle Bollinger, you have pretty well identified what would be kind of a support resistance flipping level, support turning to resistance, resistance broken kind of throwback. So yeah, that's reasonable. Um, there's a lot of better stuff out there if you go into the chart alone, but um, you know, disagreement is what makes a market. It, people, yeah, get I just think it looks, I do think it looks yeah. like if you're going to buy something, obviously yeah. we kind of talked about older, like I think that... Uh, in the next bull market, mm-hmm. that looks like a major accumulation phase to me. So I do right. think that, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, as we've talked about, there'll be some new shiny things that everybody will be trading by then. There will be something we've never heard of, but um, 
I don't know. I actually, it's got that feel. It's just got the chart. It's got the look where it's kind of new enough. And, you know, are we going to, you know, we're going to be at like 18, 20, 50 bucks one day. And, it's got of of all the ones that could be a new one that's got that beautiful accelerating chart. Uh, it always, you know, there's always listen. There's a lot of there's a lot of bag holders on any coin, uh, non-specific to link from previous cycles. Like XR, so that should and that's why that's why even when you get that massive move on XRP, there's a lot of people who are like, oh shit, I can finally get out of some of my XRP. Oh, right, they saw that ninety three cents and they're oh, I'm out. That yeah. feeling of bouncing back to break even when you've been like losing sweet book sleep over a trade. It's break even amount, you know. That yeah. sometimes that feels like a huge victory. It does, but you've been underwater for so long, so not. Uh, I've learned how to breathe. Long. I've learned how to breathe so well from being underwater so much. You know, I can hold my breath now for, for several minutes. All right, man. Any final thoughts before I let you go and uh, move on yeah. to Twitter Spaces? Talking about World Point again. Please, no books. No, if you're into video games, no books. I'm streaming on Twitch. Big underscore chats. I'm just having fun with life. If you're into video games, I'm streaming. What are you playing? Age of Empires 4. It is a brilliant strategy game. I'm kind of okay at it, but I love it. It's real. It's like chess. It's like everything. It's a real-time strategy game. It is amazing. So check me out on Twitch. Watch me play video games poorly. You'll enjoy it. And that's when I, 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 would, I would do that. Awesome, man. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Good luck. Appreciate you. Right, Thank you very much. Peace out. Peace. All right, guys, that's it. Robert F. Kennedy tomorrow in the afternoon. I'll be back to you again tomorrow, obviously, at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, talking about all these same things. So join me and check out Meld while you're at it. Meld. Meld's in the description. Check them out. Guys, that's all I got for you today. I got to run. Talk to you soon. Peace.